0: Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened.
1: Hi everyone. I just need to interrupt for a minute and let you know that there is a lot of extraneous chirping noise in the background for quite a bit of the episode. So if you find that offensive or distracting, you may want to pass on this show and join us again next week or revisit some of our prior episodes. Equally, there's some amazing, amazing conversation with our guest today that is clear and and succinct. So please use your judgment and thank you. Thank you so much for your patience.
0: This week, we have an incredible guest to share with you who's written a book I know you guys are going to love diving into. So recently, you all know, Denise and I did a show on discovering your personality type and more about who you are, and we got such wonderful feedback from that show, we thought we'd do even more. So today, we're going to take an even deeper dive into a new way to embrace your authentic self. We have on the show the writer of the five archetypes, Discover Your True Nature and Transform Your Life and Relationships. Before we bring Carrie on, let's tell you a little bit about her impressive background.
1: Carrie Davidson is the founder and leader of Turnasol, a holistic health think tank collaborative in New York City with programs that combine groundbreaking science and proven wisdom to empower people and organizations with strategies that build resilience and well-being through self-knowledge, self-acceptance, and mastery of individual gifts. Carrie is also the Executive Director of Turn Kids and served as Director of Administration for the Nalanda Institute of Contemplative Science. Prior to joining Nalanda, Davidson led Human Resources for Columbia College of Columbia University and was Executive Director of Caring at Columbia, which provides culturally sensitive prevention and intervention programs using art and music for at-risk children in New York City. Welcome Carrie.
0: Oh, thank you, guys. That's a very, very impressive bio, and we're so honored and happy to have you on. Now, I dived through your book, and I I kept writing down quotes, and I, I just took so much away from it. So I understand that you have identified these five basic archetypes, wood, fire, earth, air, and metal. And you write that you compare our desires, decisions, and instincts to the precision of nature. And you, you wrote nature has its own highly personalized system of predicting your behaviors and that if studied and utilized can set us on a course toward personal success and balance. I love that. I love looking at how nature is so precise that it would naturally correspond with our personality types. So could you just start us off by explaining the background of this model and and how you came to embrace it.
2: Of course. This model is based in ancient Chinese medicine philosophy and wisdom. And Chinese medicine is an Eastern medicine practice like Ayurveda or Tibetan medicine, where through those models, we see ourselves as systems. We see ourselves interconnected and inseparable from nature. And if you think about it, you know, we do feel different throughout the course of the day. Our cortisol rises in the morning to wake us up and sinks at night to help us get tired. We, we have cycles that correspond to the seasons, right? There's this whole bit about depression when there's not enough light during the day. I mean, we are interconnected. We cannot really separate ourselves from our environment. And so the five archetypes, is a whole soulful system for understanding yourself and then building yourself back into the strongest you you can be um, within your own personal environment, how to deal with your own stress and what you're eating and how much you exercise. And in the external environment with your friends and colleagues and family. So, you know, it's not kind of in in the West, we have a very um a system that's um very siloed if you have a stomach ache you see a gi doctor right if your foot hurts you're going to a podiatrist but it's not often that you're going to go and see someone who's going to ask you questions about the interconnectedness of your thoughts and your higher level purpose and your stomach ache in the same meeting so it stems from this systems, this Eastern methodology of Chinese medicine thinking of, yes, we are inseparable from from nature, from our own nature, from our environment, and we really need to look at the whole in order to be completely fulfilled and find ways to heal in this life.
1: What I really loved in your book, Carrie, was that you describe each of the archetypes and each is based on an element. So again, um, I mean, I love uh, indigenous cultures and earth energy and shamanic work and all of those things that bring us together in the natural world. But at the beginning you you wrote, uh, and I love, love, love this line. You said, we can expand, learn something and prosper through discord and heartbreak. And then throughout the book, that seems to be a prevalent theme of how it doesn't matter which archetype you identify with, This is about healing yourself so that you can truly embrace your whole self, which was, it's really, there's so much information. This is a read it five times kind of a book. Could you briefly discuss each of, like, just run us through the archetypes and let us, because I think this is just so fascinating. Yes. So the five
2: are fire, earth, metal, water, and wood. And they each correspond to personality types, to fears, to addictions, to what motivates us to even think about taking action. And when you understand it, you can thrive because you can then predict and overcome pitfalls that we will naturally fall into based on our type. So fire people, their core gift to this world is joy and optimism and hopefulness. Fire people make us laugh, make us smile, help us remember that the glass is perpetually half full. Under stress, fire people tend towards panic and anxiety, and their biggest fears revolve around loss of love or loss of connection. Earth people, their gift to the world is empathy and unity. They bring us together. They nurture us. They keep us connected. They create harmony in relationships. Under stress, they tend towards worry and overwhelm. They can worry too much about making everyone happy, so much so that it's hard for them to make decisions. They'll ruminate over what to do that could possibly make everyone feel safe and good and cared for. Their biggest fears revolve around abandonment, because they love relationships so much they can't fathom having, you know, losing relationships. Then you have metal people. Metal people, their gift to the world is beauty and perfection. They notice details that others of us usually miss. They are really great with routine and gratitude and organization. They tend to overfocus on the details under stress. They can only see what's wrong rather than what's right when they don't feel safe. And their biggest fears revolve around making a mistake or being wrong. Then you have water people. Water people, their gift to the world is peace and deep meaning. They help us see the the value and the benefit in distilling the truth out of mystery. Under stress, they seem they tend to over-isolate. They love to be alone in the first place, like just just in their normal state. But when they when they don't feel their needs for safety are being met, they will retreat and over-isolate and not share enough. Their biggest fears revolve around being seen as obsolete, unnecessary, not the wise sages that they know that they are. Then the last we have is wood. Wood people, their gift to the world is freedom. They teach us how to be adventurous, how to take what we need, how to envision a future and make it happen. They teach us how to initiate, how to take risks, how to be okay in the face of of challenge. Uh, Under stress, would people tend towards quick anger and frustration? And their biggest fears revolve around confinement, being told, no, you can't do that. They don't go for that.
0: That makes so much sense. I also love that you compare each of these archetypes to seasons. So fire is summer and water is winter. I think that's really cool. But you know, I had, if you guys go to Carrie's website, which we will link up in the show notes, and we'll also post on uh, our Facebook and Instagram pages, you can take her quiz to decide and determine what archetype you are. So I had my kids take the quiz because, you know, why not? We're all here in quarantine. Let's learn more about each other. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And my Taurus came up as Earth. And she said, Mom, do these correspond with Earth signs? I mean, with the horoscope signs as well. And I thought, well, I don't know. I'll have to ask Carrie. (laughs) I just thought it was interesting the way all of these things could possibly be holistically overlapping the way you were saying before. But we highly recommend all of you guys go on to her website and take the quiz. So, I wanted to ask you a question, something that I highlighted a lot in your book. You talk about how so many of us seek the how. How can we make this better? How can I feel more in tune with my life? When what you really should say that we should be asking is what? What is at the core of why I'm feeling this unrest? Or what is the reason for this feeling of discomfort? Can you talk about the different paths that these two types of questions will lead us down? Hmm.
2: I love that you're asking me this because people, when I I do a lot of interviews, people usually skip into the types. Let's get to the nitty gritty. But I had to include this in the beginning because if we go into this process or really, in my opinion, any kind of self-growth, self-realization or transformation process, without being in the right mindset, we don't really reach our true self. And so I'm glad that I'm glad you brought that up. The how, right? The how questions, so the why is this happening to me questions, all, all of that path will lead us into a fixed mindset, will lead us into getting stuck in, in these details that lead to victimhood blaming other people, right? Because because what happens is we can tend to, instead of looking inside, right, we'll look outside of ourselves um, and then we become victims of circumstance. And if you're always a victim of circumstance, there's nothing you can do. You have zero control over your growth. So the what, invites you to observe your environment, your internal environment, and your external environment, and puts you way back in control. So, you know, you brought up something, you guys brought up something um, in the previous question around, you know, that we, we grow through challenges also, like these pain points. When, when we feel unrest, it's an invitation to look inside at what's happening and grow. So if we have this what mindset, this growth mindset, like, oh, wow, this challenge is actually a gift. And what can I learn from it? You can then identify where you are along this like strength stress spectrum, right? How strong am I right now? How easily triggered am I right now? What is triggering me? What did I have for breakfast, or did I forget to? <laughs> Who am I in an argument with? What what bills haven't I paid? What's weighing on me that's making it hard for me to access my resilience and hard for me to um, to be an observer in the what? Because when when we feel when we're not feeling safe, we easily go into the the blame space and the questions that keep us from our own strength and our own abilities to be able to problem solve for ourselves, and sometimes the solve stinks. It hurts, but on the other side, you know, you're you're you step into a, a new potential, a new level of yourself. Um, and if you if you're stuck in those questions that that keep you in blame and victimhood it's gonna be really, really hard to grow,
0: if not impossible. Does that answer the question? That answers it beautifully because so many of us are often seeking the when as well. And you mentioned that in your book too. How long will this take? When will I know I've healed from this? And you keep saying in your book how those aren't the questions. You You have to focus on the what. And sometimes the what isn't pretty. And I know this is gonna sound like a really trivial example, everyone, but I burned my hand really bad cooking the other night and it hurt really bad. And as it's healing, it formed that yucky, like pussy cover before the scab came. And so the whole week I'm looking at this bird, I'm thinking this is such a metaphor for emotional healing because sometimes when we're healing and we're asking those painful what questions, and we're looking within rather than outside, it's a messy process. And we might not even be aware that that messy process is the healing. Mm-hmm. You know, so I know that scab example is not the best. <laughs> but it's just the way my, my weird water mind thinks. I did take the quiz, and I mostly water.
2: Oh, and so did you say your daughter is Earth? Yes. Mm. so the water earth relationship is a, is a challenging one i don't know if you feel <laughs> it's not it's not bad <laughs> because we cannot grow if we're not challenged right if we never right. felt thirsty we'd never drink and we would die and thirst can be painful if you never burned your hand you'd never learn not to touch the stove <laughs>
0: No, that's really, really true. And when I did look at that, I thought, oh, that makes sense because when I get angry with her over something, I tend to go within and process it because I don't want to say something in the heat of anger. I don't want her to have hurtful memories of words in her mind or her psyche. So if she does something that upsets me, I'll always say, give me a minute to think about this and process how we're going to rectify this. And her Earth response is usually no. Let's just yell it out right now.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are lots of ways that that you'll see Earth and Fire. I'm sorry, Earth and Water stuff kind of play out. And one of the biggest ways I see in work environments, and also in love relationships, sometimes parent child. Parent child's an interesting, you know, couplet. But um, you know, Water people are deeply self-sufficient and they pride themselves on that they don't need you they don't they're really smart they tend to get addicted to thinking and they're really good at problem solving earth people on the other hand need to be needed and so think about that dynamic in a work relationship or even in a marriage where an earth person is constantly giving and nurturing and making you chicken soup and chocolate chip cookies and inviting you over and wanting to know all the details of your life because in asking you those questions, they're showing you love. And water people are like suffocated, (laughs) suffocated by that. And it's just, it's a funny dip, funny, funny dynamic to watch because i know i i see people's scores and i know exactly what's about to play out <laughs> but i watch it unfold because for me to tell you that before you experience it you know it's not as um as integrative a learning experience and when you when you understand it and feel it in context then that's when it makes sense and that's when you can then take that wisdom and use it and apply it in your own life and um, so I don't know if you see that with your daughter yet, because that's a, a different dynamic. But it is this is a, an interesting dynamic of the water-Earth relationship that I see play out
1: with adults a lot. It's funny, because I came out water as well. And at the beginning, when I was reading it, I thought, oh, I am so Earth. I am, this is me, I do all this things. And then when I took the quiz, and they came out really close. So maybe we can talk about that a little bit later, when your numbers are really close. But what really, really I loved in the book is there was a part where you talked about, and our target population is empaths. We're highly sensitive folks. And you talk about these archetypes and empathy, but what I loved was you said the three aspects are self-awareness, self-regulation, and compassion. And I read that over and over. And then the other part we talk about, because we've, we've had countless shows and conversations about, what you eat impacts you how you sleep how you motivate how you navigate through the earth on the earth so i I would love you know how for our empathic people and their archetypes how can they embrace that self-regulation and self-awareness so that they can feel more whole and full Mm, it's interesting about your listeners
2: what what their primaries are Who's attracted to talking and listening to this type of information? And I can, I can bet I, should I make a prediction? You don't have a ton of metal people or wood people. Because my answer to your question is contextual, which is kind of like what the whole book is about. Like the answers to all this stuff as well, it depends. It depends your primary, it depends your lowest. And it depends how resilient you feel right now in this moment, um, because there's, this whole process is, it's a framework for how to apply self-healing in any moment, where, like, because we're constantly being impacted by our environment, by our stressors. And if you know what they are, you can predict them, and then you know what to do. So going back to your, your question, what, you know, how can people who, um, who are empaths be more self-aware and self-regulate and, and then have compassion so self-awareness you know fire people tend to be naturally intuitive not everyone who is fire is a is a psychic or an empath or an intuitive but um and not everyone who isn't you know isn't but it tends, there tends to be a propensity of that in a, in a fire type. And fire, type, fire types live in a state of feeling. They feel everything. They are very emotional, very big drama over everything, um, explosive, and then quiet. Like a, like a fire. You put it out in a second. Um, and if it's not contained, it can go everywhere. So an empath who is a fire person, be aware of your emotional state. Be aware, learn how to differentiate between your own emotions and when you start to feel everyone else is in the room. Because fire people will. And when you can differentiate, you can exhale, right? The self-regulation in those in those moments for fire would be around recognizing it and then exhaling it, like saying it, envision, like, oh, that's not mine. I'm gonna let that go. Um And compassion. Compassion really for yourself, starting with yourself at this point, you know, for a fire person who is overly emotional. um, It's okay. It's part of your learning process to even recognize it is huge. So then you have, then you have earth people, earth empaths for, you know, self awareness. It's really important for earth people to know that you can get addicted to relationships you over give because you have a fear of losing people, of being abandoned by people. And so the first step around self-awareness is, can you, um, can you recognize when you're over giving, when you don't have enough boundaries up because you're so empathetic to other people's needs, you just wanna give. And underneath all of it, the core of that for earth people is around fear of abandonment. And so a self-regulation technique for an earth person who's an empath is to create some sort of organization in your home. I know this is kind of strange, but we are, you know, these holographic beings. We can do a physical thing in our space that impacts our spiritual abilities and boundaries. So have some sort of organization. Um, you can organize or ritualize something that you do. So your morning routine or, um, or how you organize, you know, organize the kitchen cabinets, Go through your closets, You know, make sure that everything has a place. That's a very um, self, you know, a good self-regulation technique for Earth Empath. Then you have metal people have impenetrable boundaries the chances of you having a lot of metal people looking for you know how to self-regulate in the in the face of being overly empathic.
0: Slim. Very, very slim.
2: <laughs> not impossible. But um but what I would say for a metal person who's an empath, be don't judge it. Metal people tend to self-criticize or, or judge themselves and others easily. So see if you can practice letting it come and sitting with it without judging it. And then the self-regulation technique would be around journaling, getting quiet, resting, reading poetry, not getting so stuck, doing things that release that rigidity in the mind around the idea that perhaps you just felt someone's, someone else's stuff. <laughs> Then you have water, and you guys, I love that you're both water. Water people are deeply wise and insightful because they they sink beneath all the hullabaloo and the chaos of everyone else's business and emotions, and they can hear. They have deep listening abilities more than any of the other types. And what I would say for a water empath, for for self-regulation, is to, I'm sorry, for for self-awareness, is to notice when you're too much in your head, when you overthink instead of being, you know, and when you overthink and undershare. So what you were saying about your daughter, when she, you know, you guys have a challenge and your instinct is to let me go away and think about it, whether you're in the room or not, you're away in your mind. Someone else is feeling a disconnect from you and feels scared. So what I would say for you know, the self-awareness component for water empaths is be, just be aware of when you don't share. Not that it's wrong or right, don't judge it, but just be aware of it because you, you might notice that people want a little more. They want to connect a little more and hear what you have to say. Self-regulation for too much keeping to yourself and not sharing what you're empathetic about or what you felt um is around wood behaviors so physical exercise, doing a stretch, changing your perspective, getting outside in nature, touching a tree. those types of things will get you out of just over hoarding, I guess these thoughts in your mind will help them physically move out when you can envision um, physical when you can, physically move and you can look outside and you can see nature shifting in the natural path, it will help move that out of your mind too. Wood people tend to be a little bit too fast to be empathetic. They um, are empaths. They are the opposite of earth. So while earth people can sit and nurture and and care and understand people's needs, wood people are are more concerned about moving really quickly through things. And so they don 't quite sit long enough to listen or to see or to feel, because as you guys know, sometimes this you know these empath messages are very subtle, and you 've got to be very sensitive or very quiet to hear or feel them so if there is a wood person who feels something, what I would say for self awareness is. See if you can just listen to those moments. Don't speed through them. Notice when you're trying, notice when you say to yourself, oh, that's a waste of my time. That's a very wood thing to say. So see if you can recognize when you're speeding past some, you know, empathic hit or intuitive feel that you get. And for self-regulation, Wood self regulates through joy, through play. Just play, connect with your emotions, connect with having fun. And then those intuitive hits will feel less like a waste of your time and more like, like playfulness.
0: Wow, that is so helpful because we get emails all the time from listeners saying, How do I discern my emotions from others? And those emails take me so long to answer because. Sometimes it's meditation, boundaries, and protection, and other times it might be more inner reflection or psychic a protection type, you know, pushing that energy away. But the way you just outlined that is going to be really, really helpful to our listeners. Now, you talk about how we all have a primary ar- archetype, and you also talk about how we have an archetype within us that is kind of challenging to us. So, I'm wondering is that kind of like the shadow self? Hmm.
2: That's a good question. I'm I don't know that I know enough about what shadow self means to be to be able to make that perfect comparison, but I can explain what I mean by our challengers. So, according to this this method, we Like I was talking about um, before about being, you know, feeling thirst. If we don't have a challenge or a pain, we can't grow. But we need challengers and nurturers to grow. If we were constantly nurtured, if we have people in our lives who only said how awesome we were, (laughs) we would never grow because we would think we have nothing to fix. But if we constantly have challengers in our lives, people who tell us what we're doing wrong, we'll get heartbroken and we we won't ever you know really feel good about ourselves and you really need a balance of both. So this system when you look at all of the archetypes in their in their natural cycle going from fire, earth, metal, water and wood, there are several baked in relationships that help you understand your framework for growth. The the biggest one and the kind of the most intense one is the challenger natures and these challenger natures are are in place to help us feel like it's really time it's time to observe ourselves right to ask the what they they force us very easily into seeing when we're out of balance and we don't have enough resilience in the face of our triggers so i'll give you guys for example um, if you're both water, the only one of the five that can really push your buttons and make you really uncomfortable and challenge your, your, your natural way of existing is earth. Earth people, and they're over-caring for you, and they're talking, quote-unquote, too much, and they storytelling, over-explaining. It, it triggers your, um, your need to be alone, to be in your thoughts, to not have to share, to not have to be in a conversation, um, it, it interrupts your peace and your core need in this world is peace. And so, so that's the one that can push you. Wood people, the one that can push them is metal. Metal is all about restriction and stop and rules and no. And that's wood's biggest fear. Wood needs to trailblaze. They need to, they see putting structure. Fire people, the only one that can hurt fire is water. Water, you know, fire has a fear of being ignored. Fire people need to be seen. They love to entertain. They love to know and look in your eyes and know that they've brought you joy. Water people are really good at getting quiet. They don't need to connect like that. They're, they're addicted to thinking, right? Fire people are addicted to pleasure and, and they get pleasure in knowing they brought you pleasure. So if water people can retreat and disappear, it's, it's horribly painful for a fire person. Earth people are triggered, their biggest trigger is wood. Wood people who don't really care about unity. Their biggest need is around individuality and winning and me. Whereas you know, Earth is all about we, and they want to care for you and nurture you, and so in that relationship, you could you know very easily have an Earth person becoming a doormat, you know, with this railroading, trailblazing wood person, you know, just pushing forward because that's their need, and so so these, I don't know, you know, as far as like the the official definition of a shadow self, if that is um, if that correlates, but that's kind of what these challenges do for us. They, they trigger our biggest fears and push us easily into fixed mindset thinking where we get rigid. Um, and it's harder for us to stay, stay soft in the face of our challenges, but they force us to practice. They force us, if we see them that way, we can be like, oh, right, there's a water person ignoring me. And I'm feeling stress around that. What can I do to reinforce, you know, my own sense of self and safety so that I'm not, no longer really triggered by people who don't want to talk? Because it's not about them ignoring me. It's about them having their needs met, And that's great. Oh,
0: wow. Okay. So no wonder I'm a complicated mess inside. Because <laughs> <laughs> my quiz results were 70% water, 69% earth. So does that mean I'm just always going to be challenging myself? Well, it means two things. It means
2: that you're always going to be, um, able to balance yourself and you're always going to be able to challenge yourself. So you have, um, you have this beautiful ability to draw on two divergent gifts. You know, the ability to nurture people, but also to not get so overwhelmed and worried about what everyone thinks. You may do it every once in a while, but your strong water allows you to quiet your mind and to to retreat into a place of reflectiveness and insight that someone who had only very strong earth and lower water would not be able to do. They would have a lot of work to do in that area. So, um, so this is like, you know, earth is your, is your challenger, but having a strong earth is like a foothold in the ground so that you, you're not easily swayed. You're not easily swayed by, you know, things that might usually trigger you unless you're not feeling great. If you're in a bad mood, if you didn't get good sleep, if you're not well hydrated, if you're not exercising, you may be more easily triggered by earth folks and earth behaviors
0: got it okay that is so interesting all right so you write also this great list that people need to focus on give a darn show up release the need to be right and think with your heart and you know i'm trying to get this little package together for my oldest daughter graduating high school And one of the things I want to do is just write like a really important card for her. You know, those types of cards that hopefully she'll keep the rest of her life. And I'm trying to come up with like just instruction, not instructions, but like just things I want her to always hold with her. And I'm going to add this to that card because I think everything, every one of us needs to know for life is in that list. You know, if, if I could switch your first one, just give a damn. (laughs) No, I toyed with that. So I actually toyed with something worse. but <laughs> Yes, I totally get that. Give a damn, show up, release the need to be right. Oh, gosh, if, if we could all do that, I feel like war would go away. Yeah. Think with your heart. I mean, how did you come up with that? And I just would love to hear your, your thoughts behind that beautiful list. Mm. Well, this list was born
2: through many conversations with my own teacher, Dr. Stephen Cowan. Um, Stephen wrote the foreword to my book and he's a, a world renowned integrative developmental pediatrician. And he taught me about these five and he taught me about the, the whole idea of you know, applying the Chinese medicine philosophy to human development and growth in the face of our challenges. And we started a nonprofit together for kids a few years back, teaching kids and parents and and teachers and, you know, schools how to use this language to help kids thrive and to help kids have more empathy for one another. And so over our years together, um, Dr. Cowan, you know, he, I would come and sit in his office and say, all right, here's my challenge of the day. <laughs> so I would, I would dump whatever was going on for me. And he's always so gentle and so wise and so clear and uses beautiful examples. He is an earth, so he teaches and learns through context and storytelling. So he has an amazing gift to help me understand the context of the situation and tell it through stories and and over over our time together these four points would come up a lot like you actually have to care if you don't care you don't give a darn why are you here like you're not you're just we we spend time doing what we care about right we have a choice we always have a choice of how to spend every moment. And so if you want to transform, if you want to have a fulfilling life and you feel like this method could work for you, you know, caring about it means that you're gonna devote time to it. You know, so what are you gonna devote time to? So caring. The other, the other piece he, he taught me in the end about staying soft, it was through a beautiful example of Tai Chi. And he held up his hand once, and he says, "Punch my hand." And I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm a fire earth person. I'm never punching anyone ever." There's <laughs> like, no violence in my life. He goes, "No, no, punch my hand." And so, like, tapped his hand, <laughs> and and he held his hand rigid, not moving. And so, right when you hit brick wall, when you hit something that's not moving, you know, it hurts. There's pain that reverberates through your through your fist or your arm, and he says, "Hit me again." And so I, I did it with a little bit more, a little bit more push, and again he held his hand, you know, solid, and he says, "Now do it one more time." And I hit again, but this time he he took my hand in his hand, and he he led it around in like a little bit of a circular motion or a little dance, and he said. He said, in that space, I changed the conversation. I changed it. I don't have to react. I don't have to sit fixed in my own thinking in my own belief system. I can see you, honor you, take you, and change the conversation into a dance. Wow. And we're dancing and we're in, our, we're in our heart space. I see you for who you are. I honor, I honor your pain. And I know that beneath your pain is a beautiful, joyous, fire person who just wants to bring hope to you. Even if in your anxiety, you're overpleasing me to, to keep me from leaving. Because I know what it's about. I don't need to get stuck and fixed. So that, you know, that whole bit about staying, you know, staying soft, staying in your heart, that's, that's where that came from.
0: That's a powerful metaphor and visual.
2: Yeah, it sticks with me pretty frequently. Not that I can always apply it in the moment. I, I, I'm, like, I'm still working on it, but I hold it because its it really is, and that's the way I want to live. So I do care, right? I do care.
1: I, I just have to work at it.
0: <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs>
1: yeah. One last thing. I know we're running short on time, but there's a part in the book where you – you equate each archetype with a chakra. And I know that Samantha and I do a lot of chakra work. A lot of the things that we teach and do with other folks are involved with those energy center and Ayurvedic type things. So how do those align? Because when I saw water archetype is aligned with the root chakra, of course my mind immediately went to, do water people have more of a propensity to need to work on security and stability? because those tend to be root chakra kind of issues.
2: So, I became an ayurvedic nutritionist a, a few years back mainly because I was curious about nutrition about food. I didn't know anything about, you know, the food component and I know how important it is to our overall well-being. And what I loved about ayurveda was that it was so, you know, based it's it's so broad and rich and it includes it's a holistic view of, of how, to, how to live a good life and I was really hoping that it would correspond directly to the five archetypes the Chinese medicine model and I found that it was really hard to make a direct correlation but I found this great article that's um, that's you know the, the list is derived from. That compares each of the five uh, archetypes to a chakra center, and so so I don't know that I feel like it is um, it's a perfect alignment across the board, but there are key things that I did notice where there is overlap. So, for example, the um, water uh, element in Chinese medicine corresponds to the kidneys. And the adrenals to sleep to fear and the root chakra also corresponds to that part of the body those organs and so the emotions and the needs and the beliefs and the challenges that arise um, when you're looking at it through the chakra system or through the chinese medical model um, i think are are very much aligned and i also believe that if you want if you choose, if you are drawn to healing through the chakra system and you know that your water needs to be you know balanced, so maybe do some work on the root chakra, things that you know through the Ayurvedic model will open up and will strengthen that chakra because those are the correlates, and maybe you could also do the same you know, the opposite. If you notice that you're having a root chakra blockage, well, we also know that root root chakra corresponding to water will correspond to kidneys and adrenals. And what can we do to to strengthen our kidneys and adrenals? Um, Are we drinking enough water? Are we getting enough sleep? And so what I liked about it was that it could help correlate these methods for bringing balance in. And, you know, looking at it more deeply for sure, I bet there are, you know, definite um, correspondences to, you know, what you have to work on and what your um, what you need to balance if you have root chakra um, challenges and if you have water challenges. But mainly, I wanted it for this like cross referencing how to heal and how uh, different ways that you could um, apply well being and lifestyle um, health. To balancing out these components of yourself.
0: Oh, that makes perfect sense. Thank you. Yeah, and it shows how it's all connected. Do you think that we're born with these archetypes or that the events that create us form these archetypes?
2: It's a combination. We are, from what I understand through Dr. Cowan and through my other Chinese medicine teachers we are born as one primary and it stays with us throughout our lifetime. And it guides the way we interact with our internal environment and with our external environment. But the other four fluctuate. And you know, you could take the assessment today and use it as a framework for improving your work relationships or building a better team in your company or uh, building a better marriage or building a very specific self-care regimen, and then apply those new skills and tools and knowledge. And then in three or four months, take the assessment again, and potentially see a a change in your scores, not your primary, but the ones, the other ones, the ones that will tell you how balanced you are and where you need to work in order to grow. Because we all have very, very different needs that we need a personalized system you know in order to to know how to heal and how to stay balanced and we are constantly in a state of change we're constantly it's like one of the one of the overall truths you can count on everything is always changing and this is a system that moves with you and so you will you will see some some shifts over time i have a, a wood client who Uh, was very entrepreneurial, um, very um, in a a career that was very competitive and constantly on the go and she lost her job and she spent several months at home trying to figure out what was going to be next and she took the assessment first. It was very high wood, very low water and later on after having been home and forced to be reflective and get quiet, her water score shot up and she was like, what's this about? I'm like, well, what have you been doing for six months? <laughs> and she's like, well, <laughs> chilling out. I'm like, well, that's what it's about. <laughs> so, well, it will
0: change with the context, but your primary is known to stay constant. Thank you so much for saying that because Denise and I have been doing so much research on personality types and most of them say it's fixed and unchanging. And I'm like, wait, that doesn't make sense. Because if we're here as souls to grow and evolve, then wouldn't our personality type tend to grow and evolve as well? And I think your response also gives a lot of hope to people listening to this going, holy cow, I'm a wood married to a metal. Are we going to be, you know, locking heads all the time? And what you're saying is no, take the quiz, read the book, look at how these challenges affect each of you and then interact with each other with that new knowledge. Exactly. It's so refreshing and so relieving
2: to understand each other better. And because we get really, we dig our heels in and we get really stuck in our way of seeing the world and of solving problems and of believing what's right. And until I, until I understood this, uh, this methodology, I thought most of the world was crazy. <laughs> because like, <laughs> everyone, they don't, they, like, how do you not solve every problem with a joke? And then I was like, when I started to see this, I'm like, oh my God, I am like causing harm when I do that to a lot of people. They really don't want to be my friend. <laughs> and I'm creating, my biggest fear is people disconnecting and not wanting to be around me and I'm causing them pain. So it's like, it's such a sense of relief, awareness and, and, and an exact guide to what to do in the face of all this so that you can live better, other people feel better. And, you know, these challenging relationships actually have beauty and hope and potential. And you see where you can be each other's teachers and empathize with how, how I'm gonna make you uncomfortable Right. So, like how do I then shift that into how do I nurture you and motivate you to feel
0: safe in the face of my
2: silly fireness every once in a while?
0: It's a tool for your awakening. Yeah. And you're not alone in that. Isn't that the first line of the Course of Miracles? The world is insane. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's <was> great. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> now, don't you have an online event coming up? I do.
2: I have tons of them these days, because everything is now online. Um, gosh, I. yeah, I do lots of private and lots of public uh, online events. I have tonight, I'm teaching a class of MBA students to understand themselves better and how to work in a workplace with more agility and creativity. Um, Friday, next week, I'm doing a class for the whole Alvin Ailey Dance Company um, to help them deal with anxiety that's coming up. Um, Tomorrow, I'm doing a Facebook Live with Simon & Schuster for uh, mental health awareness to help readers and listeners understand different ways that, you know, they can use to cope in the face of the current state of affairs. (laughs) Um, so there's lots. I do these,
1: yeah. Is, is your event with Copperfield Books on June 18th, is that open to anyone or is that for a specific group? That's
2: going to be open to anyone, and it will air, we're going live at 7 p.m. Um, Pacific time, and it's going to be 10 o'clock for me. <laughs> So I'm going to have to, like, I don't know, like, have a second cup of coffee. Take an, I don't
0: know if a nap is going to do it, but we'll figure it out. Found <laughs> The quiz at tornasolwellness.com. Is that the best place for people to reach out and connect with you?
2: Right now, I would say the best place is the book website, fivearchetypes.com. And right up top there, there's a button you could click on the right where you can take the quiz.
0: And if you have a class that you're going to be teaching designed just for MPass, please let us know and we will promote the heck out of it on our end. Well, you know what? It's funny because I don't,
2: but um, if you guys want to do something together, I'd totally be down for doing something for your community. Oh, that would be awesome. I would love that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I think that would be really fun and it would be good. I think it would be a really good way for me to put my, you know, dip my toe in the water and start
0: being me, you know? Oh, I love that. That gave me chills. You've got my water mind thinking. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) I will be plotting and planning and I will be in touch because I really think that our listeners, especially, what they're looking for is a way to really identify who they are in a world where they're feeling everything Mm -hmm. and i think understanding not only their personal archetype but recognizing other people's archetypes it's going to help them go oh wait i'm fire and this emotion right now is too woody so i that's not mine i think that's that person over there in the corner who's you know being super competitive
1: So I I think a
0: class helping people to identify and sort that out would be incredibly helpful. Mm -hmm. I totally agree.
2: It would be so much fun. So much fun. I always have people before we start, everyone takes the assessment, so they come with their scores in hand. And in, in most groups, I have people come with their scores and then a very specific challenge and so they'll put the scores in the challenge in the chat box in the in the the webinar in the zoom and i can i can't get to all of them but i will pull out a few and dive into exactly what to do in in your case based on your scores what to look for what you're going to feel what will be hard for you to do why you're challenged in the first place why you even have this question and, um, yeah, another thing, if you, if your are you know, if your listeners are empaths and they're working in this space, they have a few clients and they talk to people and they counsel people, having them use this method. So knowing their own scores, knowing themselves deeply, and then having their clients take the assessment, they could, they know so much before they even ever have that first call by being able to, you know, decipher their, their client's scores, but also they will know exactly how how they are going to make their client feel. So like some people, I know now that you guys I know that you guys are water. If you were coming to me for support, I know I'd have to tone my fire down a lot in order for you to feel like I actually am wise enough to to pay attention to. And it's not because you're not because of like whether you like me or not or none of that. It's just our natural way of interaction you're going to be skeptical of me because I giggle to fill empty spaces because I'm fire, because I, I like flattery, right? There are all these things that are just fiery. It just is. I can't be fiery, the good parts without the challenging parts. And so naturally you will have, you will feel challenged around me. And I will wonder if I'm making sense to you because you won't, you don't give as much, you don't talk as much. And so I need certain types of feedback in order to feel safe. And you need, you know, it's like a very interesting way to go into counseling and coaching by understanding exactly what will make you feel safe, safe enough
0: to let down your walls and be okay learning with me. Wow. Well, as we wrap up, I want to finish with one last quote. You said, when we live a life aligned with our own true nature and compassionately empathize with the diverse gifts that others bring to the table, we experience a loving, forgiving, and predictable flow in our lives. Mm. I love that. And I loved your book. And we thank you so much for coming on. We'd love to have you back on when all your promotion for this book, you know, calms down and your schedule isn't as busy and talk about, you know, parenting with these archetypes and going into relationships with these archetypes. Um, so we'll be in touch if, if that's all right with you and try yeah. to do some more together. Cause this has been a wonderful hour and we are really, really grateful for your time.
2: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I've loved this. And I would so love to talk more. <laughs>
1: awesome. yeah.
0: Yeah, thank, thank you I'm so very much. much. Yes. Thank you. And thank you everyone for listening. As always, don't forget to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take
2: care.